Football Shed, your weekly football podcast for people who live in the wrong time zone like we do. My name's John Hewitt, Jeff King is here. G'day. <laughs> what are you laughing at, Jeff? I don't know. <laughs> and Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. Welcome back, Rog. Thanks. Um, how was your time on the island? It was great. You took your family to a snake-infested island and you came back wearing a strange hat. Paradise, John. It was paradise. You had a good time? Yeah, it was great. Did you miss us? Um, no. <laughs> I did miss the football, though. Uh-huh. Yeah, fair enough. That's fair enough. Yes. Um, and Jeff, you've actually gone for the straight whiskey this week because yeah. you've run out of beers. Well, that's the thing. I mean, last week I, I felt like I'd really got above and beyond myself by going to the shop prior to the sh- But um, this week we're on the uh, straight whiskey from the cupboard. <laughs> so it's not even fridge whiskey. It's, it's just good. from the cupboard. It's good. It's going to be a good Wednesday night. The odds are I'll be drinking this for about three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, Rog, what have you gone for? Uh, standard uh, stomping ground pale. Oh, not too very exciting. And I've gone for the uh, old trusty Audi five dollar wine because you know don't want to be. Don't change a winning formula. If it exactly. wasn't for me, this segment would be so dull. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I feel like I should buy more things. Maybe we should give you your own segment. Yeah. My own. What are we drinking today, Jeff? Yes. yes. <laughs> you just choked oh, on your whiskey. So harsh. <laughs> so harsh. Um, every week we start with a question, but before we do, here's a wee bit of admin. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, ask us a question, um, tell us what to drink during the podcast, um, or tell us we're wrong about something, which often happens, um, find us on Facebook, just search Football Shed, or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Um, don't forget to subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, leave us a review, and of course, tell your mates so more people can hear us talking nonsense. Now, the question this week is about a small Spanish player called David Silva. Um, David. He, David. Do you remember when David Ginola came to, <laughs> to, came, to, yeah. and came to England and no one knew what how to pronounce a but, French And then David. The, the, wasn't it a shampoo advert that finally uh, won us over? Yeah, because he had to say, my name but is this, David. This, this <laughs> is the biggest difference between the Championship and the Premier League. Like in the Championship, his name would be Dave. <laughs> but but pre- as, soon, as soon as they get promoted, people start caring <laughs> and he's David. David. Yeah. But David Silva played... Dave a, Ginola. <laughs> Um, Davy G. Um, David Silva played his 400th game for Man City uh, this week and got his 84th and 85th assist. More than anyone else has got in the whole time he's been playing. Um, but how many chances has he created in those 400 games? 277. That's too low. I think he creates at least more than that. At least. <laughs> at least more. What did you go for? 277? Yeah. I think... 621 747 Whoa. wait a minute what was the question ah <laughs> oh, listen Roger you're on your phone I no it's just I've, I read this like uh, <laughs> half an hour ago so I really should have got the answer that so is incredible he's played 400 games and he's created 747 chances so That's basically good. two every game so he's, he's worth it he was, yes. he was a good purchase how much did he cost oh in the high 20s I think 25 now that was when you could get more than a sack of spuds in a Dishwashing yeah, tablet. I think Linton. you can call him a Premier League legend. I think so. He's Would been there for nine years. A legend? Yeah. yeah. Let me. Uh, okay. Oh. 21, 27, 16, 19, 22, 15, 18, 24, <laughs> 22, 3. That is his goal involvements. So that's either an assist or a goal uh, in the last however many seasons that was. Lots. So it's like essentially. <laughs> 
He's been involved in 20 goals a, a year. Season, yeah. Every season he's been in the Prem. And I said that he's, he's got 85 assists, which is more than anyone else in that time in his period. time. Yeah, I think in, next best is like 60. Yeah, next best is not even 60. It's Who's that? I uh, didn't say. I didn't, it didn't have all the facts in the article I read. Well, I just think, you know, people are, are quite quick to compliment the bloke. And I just wonder if you've all thought it through. No, he's brilliant. I like, he's just one of those players you would pay money to go watch. He's better than everyone. Better than everyone. And he's yeah. been doing it for he's been doing it for so long. Like, you know, I think he he was, you know, at his peak when Spain were amazing and it almost underestimates how good he was as part of that because they had so many good players. But I think he is one of the best players of his generation. I think he's brilliant. And he won everything. Like well, World Cup, Euros, everything. Do you think he looks better with or without hair? I liked his skinhead. You liked his skinhead? Well, yeah. come on. <laughs> yeah, but his hair was choice. He was a fraud. Yeah, but he looked he looked fraud. He wasn't he wasn't a genuine <laughs> yeah, baldy. That John. is true. He I, was taking the piss out of you. <laughs> no, 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 I quite liked it, sure. <laughs> um now, Rog, you've been away for a week. Yeah. Uh and every week we kind of have a little bit on the WhatsApp of what we're gonna talk about this week. And you mentioned that a week is a long time in football. And so you've been away for a week. What do you mean by the fact that a week is a long time in football? Well, I was a bit delayed on listening to the podcast this week. Um and they didn't have internet there. So I I listened to last week's pod after the games had been completed at the weekend. Yeah. So you know you could use another um, wonderful stereotype of um, hi, you know hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, but the thing that I really enjoyed about listening to the podcast was that essentially everything that you talked about completely the opposite happened <laughs> apart, apart from, from your shout Brevin, and that is almost what made me happier than anything it was like the one thing you got right was Everton losing and I'm like there is an Everton fan the life of an Everton fan you can set your watch by how unpredictable how predictably unpredictable they are and um, but it was it was almost like you almost got it perfect it was like literally everything you talked about the opposite happened. The opposite then happened at the weekend. That's the joy of football. Yeah. Or we're really shit at what we do. Well, the, but here's the thing. I think you're right. I think we're really shit at what we do. <laughs> because <laughs> this week, so after the... Uh, so the, without going too far into the results this week, because I'm sure we're going to touch on some of these games in more detail, there are some pretty unpredictable results. On on the surface, unpredictable results. Crystal Palace beating uh, Man, United. Man United. That was an unpredictable result. Newcastle beating Spurs. That's an unpredictable result. Obviously, we predicted... Aston Villa to beat Everton, so fair but enough. It was unlikely. But, so and looking, it was in the knee-jerk reaction section. Yeah, exactly that. So I think, you know, Spurs and Man United losing. But statistically, if you look at the, the stats that sit behind it, I, I think Spurs have only won... Sorry, United have only won three of their last 15 mm. games. Spurs have only taken 15 out of 15 possible points... Uh, sorry, 15 points out of 15 of the last 15 Premier League games. We should have been looking at those stats going, what well, might not be unpredictable? Then Crystal Palace, who was the last team to win at Anfield? Crystal Palace. Palace. Who was the last team to win at the Emirates? Palace. Palace. I mean, at the last away team, obviously. Yeah. Who was the last team to win at Old Trafford? Palace. Palace. Do you want me to keep going? Yeah, 1981 no, or something? 89. Then, 89. Yeah, no. It, it, it's it's amazing that they are they the the four side you know, four of the top six yeah. the last team to win away at those fights is Crystal Palace. Now don't get me wrong, we, I'm not bloody Mystic Meg, and I'm going. Oh, Palace will probably get a result this way, or else we would have said that. Yeah. But what sat behind these results is actually 
some pretty poor did you see the performances. Um, the kid with his multi no so uh, a guy in the uk put an accumulator on the seven fixtures and included all the upsets he put a pound on now he would have won 92,000 quid if it all came through he cashed out at 200 pounds in the man united game because he was com- he's a man united fan and he was convinced that you were going to get a last minute equaliser or or winner and so he was really happy initially because Daniel James scored to get the equaliser so he would have lost but then Palace obviously got the late winner and so he's gone you know he could have won 90 grand but wow the the other um, stat I've got Jeff just backing up what you said which I just found fascinating that I saw which is that this is the first time since 1981-82 that 19 or more teams at this stage in the season have at least three games, uh, three points after three games. Yeah, I was going to say, like, there is one point between fifth and 19th. So, like, we can talk about who's in form, who's out of form, who's playing well, who's not. But in reality, if Newcastle That's win... Newcastle, they're, they're sec- 19, second bottom and one if, point or fifth. If they win, they can go fourth. <laughs> yeah, like, it's bizarre. It's utter carnage, which I like. And Liverpool, Man City already top. They're gone. Yeah, it's done. (laughs) (laughs) They're off in the sunset. And I think everyone else is just going to play against each other and lose and there'll be odd results and we'll just... Is that good or bad? I don't know. I think it's brilliant. I love it. No, but I mean, it's a bit sad though because what we really want is everyone challenging for the league, don't we? I mean, I suppose at least it's two teams, not just Man United, but I just sort of feel it, it, it does have a feeling like... Uh, the other, the rest of the big six have come back to the pack a bit, if you like. But Liverpool and Manchester City have actually got better, and they yeah. could, I could honestly see them getting another ninety-seven points again this year. And well, go on, going on to the Liverpool Arsenal game because um, we've put here up maybe Arsenal a bit naive against Liverpool, but also no one, no one's beaten Liverpool at Anfield in a year and a half or whatever. 40... Two games, I think. So, is it naive, or do you just... I think everyone's just gone, you know what, Liverpool Man City are really, really good. Just give it a go, see what happens. Attack, if we lose 8-0. Yeah, and you've got to say that two of Arsenal's goals... Sorry, two of Liverpool's goals were absolute gifts. Yeah, by David Luiz. I don't Luiz. mean gifts, I'm not talking about the internet-style <laughs> graphic. Uh, do you know David Luiz... No, that's a boring story, I won't tell it. What a clown. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, it's he's we, a clown. We, well, we we've talked about this. It's this was the game when David when he makes his mistakes. David Luiz makes his mistakes. They're very very visible. <laughs> yeah. and, and this this was his moment. <laughs> he, he, we might as well have got like an umbrella, back like a backwards umbrella, and just like point it out and got it got it round <laughs> round Salah's neck and just yoinked it back <laughs> and yeah. then gone me me was it? Oh, it's not my umbrella. It's yeah. not mine. You know, it's like. Exit stage left type type walking one, even stick the, material. The, the second one where he's like massively overcommitted himself and then said that he couldn't foul Salah because he was aware of the fact that he had a yellow card, so he had to let him go. And you're like, well, that's great that you thought about that, but what about the bit where you didn't think about overcommitting yourself massively in the first place? And if you hold your position, you've got thirty yards of he has to try and run with the ball and beat you. I. I'm going to defend David Luiz. I still quite like him. Like I think he's a really good player. I just think he's 
Also, yeah, he's just got a massive error in him. I think he needs to play in a three. If he plays mm. in a three, agree. then yeah. you've got someone to cover He's him. got more freedom as well. So yeah. at PSG, he played in a four under Emery. So that's yes. obviously where he sees him. He sees him in a back four. Yeah. And I think, as I've said on here before, I think I've got faith in Emery that he'll get it right. I think Arsenal are going to do okay this year. Um, and I think David Luiz is going to make their defence better. It looked really bad this weekend. So my thing about Arsenal in this game and I that I haven't quite been able to figure out is you know, is it naivety, is it confidence in what you're trying to do, you know, rather than necessarily worrying about Liverpool who know that you're very good. Um but essentially Arsenal were guilty of overplaying a lot or they looked like they were they got caught in the Liverpool press yeah. now we talk about Liverpool probably being the only team in the Premier League that can essentially get away without necessarily having as many creative players because their press is so good that mm. it just acts as a way of scoring goals and yeah. the, the bulk of their goals come from it um but what Arsenal were trying to do what it felt like they were trying to do is one clog the middle of the park with the diamond that they were they were playing but also it was almost like they were inviting Liverpool on by trying to play intricately out from the back like you talked about Sabalos on the pod last week and I think there was one moment where he tried to play this ridiculous crossfield ball from the left back spot across the box straight to a Liverpool player and it was like you know I just saw Alan Hansen just like (laughs) head in hand is like you know committed every cardinal sin you can as a defender but um a a bit of me was like well maybe what they're trying to do is play like that so that Liverpool press and then when they do get the release ball they can go and they've got quick players and we talked about Man City doing this against West Ham Mm. now I think the difference is one the Liverpool press is ridiculous it's ridiculous better than the West Ham press better than the West Ham press and two Arsenal were not Man City in terms of their ability to get through but I I thought about it and I was like well maybe initially I was like just don't do it don't try and be so intricate you know exactly how Liverpool are going to play you know they're going to try and press don't play in those areas perhaps try and get the ball forward more quickly but then I thought about it and was like, well, maybe Emery's actually trying something that might work. If you, if you, and they did have some success. Like I, Pepe got forward a bit. And- I think that's my point about the Liverpool Man City being so far ahead is that you might as well try something because mm-hmm. if you turn up and just go, they're better than us. We should just defend when we get it. Hoof it long. Hope we get something. Why? Like, you're going to lose, so why not try something a bit different and go, oh, we'll try and invite them on and we'll play two up front who are really quick and see how it goes. It didn't work. But do but you think they could have... I just, the only thing I thought with it was they they could have varied it slightly yeah, and perhaps um, gone gone direct more quickly a few times that was what they they, they didn't necessarily do they were trying to still be intricate whereas they've got that pace up front like Pepe was so quick but to your your point that that looked like it was exactly the strategy it's it's to almost let Liverpool go through with their trapping and back yourself to get out there there, and as we saw in the Man City game when you get it out of there you've suddenly got an expanse of space and when they do have attacking players and they've got their problem is their delivery to those attacking players we've discussed it before uh, you know you could argue that perhaps they should have played a 4-3-3 with actually Pepe 
uh, the cassette and Aubameyang up front. You think, who knows whether that would have been more successful, but, I mean, a couple of things. Pepe's got one foot, doesn't he? Oh, he's good. He's a really good one, though. It's, he's he's excellent with it, but he's got one. He's yeah. pretty raw. I think like that. He his chance. Um, you would expect him to yeah. score that when he had his one on one. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think he should have scored. And Messi's only got one foot. That's he, true. Messi he, only has one foot. Maybe yeah. they should just chill out with each other. And yeah, yeah. Have a cut Maradona only had one foot. I watched the Maradona documentary uh, this weekend, which is amazing, and everyone should go and watch it. It's on at Nova at the moment. Good. Yeah, I'd like to see. Um, uh, I mean, Arsenal looked better in the second half. Mm. Uh, they got their goal, and I think it was deserved. Um, but getting their goal, if I was Emery and I'd be going, I'd be going back home. I think, okay, well, we gifted you two. Yeah, we gifted you so two. That should be one all. Uh, yeah, it should be one all. But you but felt then, it was coming though. Like Liverpool had, was. they had so many crosses, and we get, we get, um, we get a kick in on this pod for not giving Liverpool the respect that they're due. I, every time that we don't talk about Liverpool when they have a great result, we talk about those who came up against them. So I do think you're right. Liverpool it, did have some amazing chances. They did play incredibly well. Salah's goal was excellent. The way so he good. turned him was just like sucking. And the finish, like the composure at the end to yeah. hold, hold off his man and then slot it straight in the corner. And I think that's the best penalty I've seen for a while oh, yeah. as well. Like just, yeah. you, okay. you love the leather, the penalty in the top corner. No keepers ever saving it. Last thing on the Arsenal-Liverpool game. Um, Van Dyke got dribbled past for the first time in a year. <laughs> and then he fell over. And then he fell over, but yes. But Pepe beat him, so maybe it's the downfall. Well, I know, but what's in- the point if you're going to fall over? Well, next time he'll try and stay on his feet. <laughs> this, is, this is like, oh, football does my head in sometimes. I mean, it, it did, we, we talked about the unpredictability, but the other th- coming out at the end of this game, I hadn't changed my opinion on either team. I think that Arsenal will be there, there or thereabouts in that fourth place yeah. uh, fight. And I think that Liverpool are going to challenge Man City this year. Can I, can I before we get too far off, you know, talking about um, how close everyone is, yeah. have, I, have I been banging on about my salary cap theory? No. That... This, this, so okay, surprisingly others, not. No, so, so right. Other sporting this must codes, be a new theory. I, they just come and go, Rod. <laughs> just as, as inspiration strikes me, sometimes <laughs> I feel like it's worth sharing. Um, so other sporting codes have a salary cap, right? The the ethos of that is to keep everything pretty equal. Yeah. So that the the skill of the players, the coaching, the managerial structure, you know, the structure of the youth system, all of that can come through and show, right? Yeah. Now we've we've discussed whether such a thing we should be because the inequality in the Premier League for the last twenty years has been stark. You yeah. know, the rich have it all and the poor had nothing. Now, in the last few years, it's almost like there is a salary cap because everyone has what seems to be unlimited fucking money. Yeah, yeah, true. Which means that because of that, you can have teams like Newcastle spending £40 million on a striker. Like It's almost like, it's, let's go the complete other way. Let's just give you all, all the money you can have, and then it's up to the players to choose. Okay, which coach would I like to play for? Which stadium do I like most? I've got no affiliation to England, so what would I like to do? Okay, how convincing can this club be to bring him in? What project can they buy into? What youth team do they have? Just like you know, leagues and codes yeah. that have salary caps. So we're looking at the league right now, and it's evened up. But I'm looking at the teams at the bottom. They are spending horrendous amounts of cash, spending £100 million on players and they've just got promoted. It's the opposite of a salary cap and it almost has the same effect to equalise the game of football. Yeah, and I kind of don't mind that. I'm kind of looking forward to it being a bit more even. Like, I just... Yeah. I don't 
kind of care that Liverpool and Man City are brilliant. Let them do their thing and be brilliant, and everyone else can just be chaos. And I think they are, except like I, you know, they're perhaps two of the best individual teams we've seen in the whole of the Premier League era. Like they, you can't underestimate what they're, they're, both of them have done in the last 12, 18 months. They're brilliant, but you know, if I'm going to sit up and drink, um, and drink whiskey on its <laughs> on its own, uh, and and ponder my my theory, I actually think that the result will be that English teams do worse in European competition. Yeah, okay. Why do Because there's more well, foreign because, players well, coming well, in. Because it's or? wealth distribution. So I, I feel like the, let's say, so who who did um, Joel Linton come from? Where was he playing before? He was playing in Germany. Germany. For who? Uh, Hoffenheim? Hoffenheim. Hoffenheim. So Hoffenheim yeah. are now sitting on 40 million pounds. Yeah. Hoffenheim are not playing the same rules as in the Premier League they're not going to spend £40 million on one player they're probably going to buy eight players they will improve the average ability of their squad that will leak and filter through to European leagues because there are players from Genk that are going to Brighton for £25 million Genk the club you can probably buy the club for £25 million no offence <laughs> to it but, it, but it's, it's a, it's a mid-table Belgian club yeah. like, so De Bruyne I feel like, came from Genk as well who? De Bruyne. But, yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, different era. So I actually think that this kind of, this opposite salary cap is going to have a really positive effect on European football and a negative effect on English football because these, we are going to perform worse than we did last year. Now, you, you could say, well, the four finalists of the European <laughs> competitions last year were all English, but this will have an effect over the coming years. Well, and maybe a reverse thing is that then we see more we we are seeing more english players going and playing overseas of yeah it which, makes loads of sense which i think is a good thing good thing for the english national football. side yeah. yeah let's move on to some teams that uh we'll, we'll, we'll stick on the naivety angle chelsea beat norwich 3-2 um tammy abraham scored two mason mount scored one so the future of england looks good great game this absolutely brilliant no to defending watch. oh <laughs> like I, it, chelsea for a long time, I can't stand Chelsea. There's nothing about them that I like. I don't like their ethos. They're, a lot of their fans are racist and they just seem <laughs> like jerks. Tell us what you really think. John. Yeah, yeah. And I don't like them. But it's going to be entertaining to watch this year because they don't know what to do. They don't defend. And they just go for it. And it's brilliant to watch. And they've got some young kids who have been stuck out on loan for the last 50 years while Chelsea yeah. have been running this philosophy. And I... I mean, I, I like seeing some of these players get a go. So I, I, I feel I, I'm the same as you. I'm very ambivalent about Chelsea generally, but I watched Mason Mount in this game. I obviously saw a bit of him last year in the in the Championship, being a, a, a Championship watcher. Um, but <laughs> I sounds like a train watcher. It, it, yeah, it does. Um, but I thought he was brilliant in this game. Like he started the season really well, but he, I mean, admittedly, he didn't necessarily do much defending but going forward he looked brilliant like his pass um and he can't he can do it all like his pass for Tammy Abraham's goal so he spread the ball mm. out to the right for the cross came in absolutely brilliant pass and then the way he took his goal like I um I think he's clearly got a lot of ability and I like that Lampard has given him you know the authority to say you're going to go play number ten. I was going to say he's given them the opportunity to play number ten and given him license to not bother defending and just go. You can be the main man and you can make mistakes and you can just attack, get the ball and try and make stuff happen. There's no like, oh, you're a young guy. We'll put you out wide first. So if you make mistakes, mm. it's not in a dangerous area. It's just on. No, go for it. And he's put faith in Tammy Abraham up front. 
it would be safer just to go, oh, Giroud, can you go up front? But he's put on Abraham, no, you do it. And he scored two brilliant goals at the weekend. Yeah, like, he did. Really good finishes. Remember Especially he, the second one. He mm. was my prediction at the end of the season last year to be the player to break through and play in the Euros for England. That, oh, that he was, yeah. yeah. Because I'm convinced he is going to be Chelsea's next striker for the next however many years. But I think that I think we'll enjoy it. But from a Chelsea perspective, I have a feeling that they're going to finish eighth or something like that. Yeah. Like they'll, you know, there will be some really encouraging signs. Let's not forget that we've got um, uh, who's the guy that Bayern Munich are trying to Hudson Odoi. Hudson Odoi. He's still got to come back Loftus in. Cheek. Loftus Cheek. Like, you know, there's some really exciting players. You, you, there. you know, I, I um, I'm recently forming an opinion of it. it's Pulisic. Yeah, okay. So uh, I didn't, I mean, I don't watch a lot of kind of normal league German football, only when something happens to catch my eye. So so I didn't know much about him. I saw him play for the USA and he was always a bit disappointing. So it would always be much hype around this bloke from the USA national team. I was always a bit, hmm, what, what, you know, is it any good? But actually, you know, he reminds me of, which is ironic because he plays at Chelsea with him, is Ross Barkley. Yeah, okay. He's like a bit of a um a bit of a rough diamond. Like you can see that there's a proper player in there, but you, I'm not sure he knows it yet. Well, he's gone missing for 2 years. Like there when he sort of burst onto the scene at Dortmund, everyone was like this kid's going to be amazing. I mean, and then it sounds like Mr. Barkley, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 yeah, I I think there is definitely a player in there, but I, they haven't quite worked it out yet. Um but talking of Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham, the England squad's out tomorrow. Do you reckon they'll both be in the England squad? And is there anyone else that you think should be in there? Too soon for Mason Mount, I think. Um, I think Tammy, because he had so much time for the under-21s, I think I think he'll be there. Obviously, um, James Madison. James Madison's got Chowdhury yeah. as well, maybe, from yeah, possibly. Leicester. Um, he was really good on yeah. the weekend. I think Tammy will be, because in reality, you've got Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, and then Callum Wilson. Yeah. And you go, do you want Callum Wilson or Tammy Abraham? And Tammy Abraham's the future. But I think it's too soon for Mason Mount. Yeah, nice. Um, let's move on to two big teams that choked this week. Uh, Spurs and Man United lost. Um, Spurs lost to Newcastle. And Joe Linton, flop of the year, scored a good goal. Do great, you know what I heard finish. this week? Yeah. Joel Linton. Joel Linton. Okay. Is that is that no? That's, where do you hear that from him? No, I listened to a rival podcast. And who was it saying it? Uh, a football journalist. Mm, don't trust. <laughs> it f- was sports a, it, media. It was a fairly reputable source. Reputable. <laughs> reputable. <laughs> reputable. Reputable. Um, yeah, J- Joel Linton. Joel Linton scored a goal. Um, he's off the mark, but. Spurs choked here. Like, can we before we go on to Spurs? Can we just talk about the finish? I'm yeah. still convinced. He, we might be getting his name right now, but I think he's still crap. Oh no! And yeah, I think this finish, his first touch was awful. Yeah, it's all like it was about four yards away from him, and then he kind. It was almost like a toe punt in the yeah. end. The finish, yeah. and I was like, there was nothing about that goal that convinced me that we've been wrong about him. And, and you know, <laughs> uh, I feel like. It, it caught everyone off guard. Like it went into the bottom corner, right? Yeah. In a weird way. <laughs> like, you know, like there shouldn't have been space to put it where he put it, which means that like even he wasn't predicting that it would go there. The goalkeeper didn't know it would go. No one knew. It was like, how'd you get that in? When I saw it scored, I was ready to sort of eat my words and be like, oh, maybe he's good. And then I saw the finish up. Nah. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, even he didn't know how it went in. Yeah, I, I, and I still think Newcastle are awful. 
I just think Spurs was so bad that day that they just threw it away. Here Steve Bruce came out afterwards in his interview afterwards and says, oh, I hope everyone who's been saying bad things are going to eat their words now. Now, right, okay. So let's say I punch your cat in the face, right? <laughs> You've you got a cat? You haven't got a cat. No. What, you got a cat? No. no. Who's got a cat? I've got a dog. Steve Bruce? Steve Bruce. But let's say Steve Bruce's cat. Let's yeah. say I punch Steve Bruce's cat in the face. Yeah. Then the next day I give him a Mars bar. The cat or Steve Bruce? Steve Bruce, not the cat. The cat's been punched in the face, but cat can't eat a Mars bar. Cat's fucked. Let's say I give Steve Bruce a Mars bar. Yeah. Am I going to turn around to Steve Bruce and go, sorry, you can just forget about the cat. You got a Mars bar. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, 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 it, what, so let's say for the next year, I gave Steve Bruce a Mars bar every day. Yeah. And then on day number 365, I punched his cat in the face. Yeah. And then, the and then, and then, to sail and then down the next, Street. And then the, the next day, I give Steve Rufus another Mars bar. You'd be like, oh, it's okay. Steve you punch Rufus? the cat. It's okay because you've given me a Mars bar every day for a year, so I can forgive that. Right now, the point I'm trying to make is Steve Bruce just gave us a Mars bar. The last two weeks, he's been punching fucking kittens. And, the, and to be honest, the last 10 years of his career, he's been punching kittens. You can't just give me a Mars bar and expect me to go, oh, no, maybe he's a nice bloke. To keep your Mars bar, you're shit. Yeah, it, it was definitely... See you, Steve. He, he, definitely, he definitely lived off that result going, oh, yeah, I'm brilliant. But he had no control over getting that result. What was it like, you were saying on the? It was last, one Jolinton toe poke away uh, last week. Shed about he was yelling at the side of the pitch. Oh. Like, what, what's going on? <laughs> he, he was overheard saying, "What the fuck's going on?" <laughs> and you're the manager. Yeah. I, I um, yeah, I actually think this says more. This game said more about Spurs. I mean, we knew what Newcastle was were going to do, and they. I mean, you you could credit their defence. They were, you know, they were organised. They did get some numbers forward credit credits them perhaps but i do think they're a very limited side this year and they'll struggle but the th- do you know the thing with spurs i mean not getting away for the fact i think they should have had a penalty because um the newcastle center back kane was running uh, through and yeah the sales dived in front of him yeah, yeah. now it's, it wasn't var looked at it obviously and it was a bit weird because he essentially fouled his feet with his head yeah which is like odd but it's still a foul it's still, he didn't get the ball like VAR doesn't step in for those they, they ask the referee what do you think you saw the referee tells him and they go yep but it's I would argue that was a clear choice. and obvious error because it was clearly he, did, he took him out and he so, didn't get the ball. Well, what you're saying is we need to take authority away from the referee and give it to VAR. We're going to get on to VAR, so we'll. <laughs> let's, but the and Lucas Moura missed a, a sitter. Yes, absolute sitter. Harry Kane also missed a, a, a decent chance, but the thing that I'm finding odd with Spurs. I mean, Jeff, you touched on it at the beginning of the pod, their last 15 games, I think they're in the relegation zone. On yeah, we've got 15 points out of 15 games. Yeah. So, John, I mean, last week you talked about them not playing well, but getting results, getting and that's why they're going to win the league. Yeah. Perhaps <laughs> the other side of that could be, if it is 15 games, it's getting to be quite a large sample size of what's going on. Um, none of their new signings played in this game. Uh, Deli Alley's obviously injured. Yeah. Um, Ericsson might go, but to me, this game was crying out for an Ericsson way earlier than he came on because you, you, they need to try and break Newcastle down. They haven't got a like-for-like replacement for Ericsson. No, it seems weird that... If he's like, there, play, it's one you're yeah, playing. I, I understand that, yes, you have problems, player might leave, player might stay or whatever, but if you pay the person 100 grand a week to be your player and he's really good, 
play him. It's his job. Uh, yeah, surely like, he can just, be professional enough to turn up and Yeah, and play. you play him. And then if he's crap at half-time, you take him off and you give him a bollocking and you come out publicly going, he's distracted. But you play the best this players. This is the thing. Yeah. Common sense dictates that you shouldn't because they're going to be a, <laughs> a mischief. You know, football doesn't work on pure logic like that these days. It's just absolute nonsense. But I just, Spurs I'd... had 17 shots and only two on target. Yeah. They've got no one to no one to blame but themselves. Yeah, yeah. I I I I just think it's a bad day at the office, and I think Newcastle had a very lucky day at the office. They got a promotion without realizing that they were any good at their job. Are Spurs <laughs> um, still going to win the league top. I still have faith. It's a long season. Well, that's the thing. And, and you say a week is a long time in football. They had eighty percent possession and had seventeen shots. You would argue that it's rare to have 80% possession in 17 shots and not score a goal. Yeah. Yeah. That's rare. Especially up against a Steve Bruce side. I mean, come on. Um, let's move on to someone who's not going to win the league, which is Man United. Oh, Me the, sat, sat here in my Man United top. The penalty saga continues. Like, if, In theory, if Man United had just not faffed around with their penalty takers, they'd be in second in the league right now. Because they... Well, I'm going to... Well, they would be, though, wouldn't they? Because they would have won the game against Wolves and they would have been 2-1 up against Palace and I don't think they would have conceded at that point and they would have been on nine points. But I think we're all... We're <laughs> all I, I said to you that Rashford was always going to miss the penalty because of the hoo-ha last week. Yeah. Like, that stuff always happens. But all the penalty chat had no bearing on the fact that Rashford missed this penalty because it was a really good penalty. Mm. It just was like it's almost too good it, it a fraction off like it's very rare that the ball hits the inside of the post like that rolls all the way across and doesn't go in yeah and i nothing in that moment says that he's not the best penalty taker you've got and Solskjaer just needs to be a stronger person and just say rashford you're my number one you take the penalties you take them all yeah let's carry it, on it is an indictment on manchester united that we are discussing who is the best penalty taker of two penalty takers who both missed their penalties it's very true jeff <laughs> That's a disgraceful situation. It's and a very the good Palace point. Palace left back is scoring a winner in 94 minutes. Now I not for, just any left back, Van years, Arnold. For years, years of my life, I and I hate to think of how much this time would add up to. You know, I remember yelling at the TV or yelling at match of the day about Alex Ferguson and Man United cheating. Because there's been like seven minutes of time added on Old Trafford. And then Federico McKay comes on. And then there's a dodgy penalty on given. A, on 98 minutes. Man United yeah. score. So many times. Like he basically used to cheat every single week. <laughs> like it was gross. <laughs> but that is what I remember. Now I think that's gone. Like you, United have fallen a long way that we, like as Jeff said, we're now talking about penalty takers. You've got a team like Palace committing enough men forward in the dying stages of the game that the left back scores. This is the first time ever in the Premier League. So the Premier League's been going, I don't know, 20, what, since 1992? 27 years. First time ever Man United have lost a game at Old Trafford in added time. Wow. wow. That's the first time ever. And, and the, the, you know, the stats for this game... <laughs> the stats for this game are worse than the Spurs. Uh, 22 shots and only three on target. Yeah, that's bad. 
And today we sold, well, we loaned Alexis Sanchez to Inter Milan. It's loaned. Yeah. yeah. I don't get this. Well, we're purely because we pay him 390 grand a week and they went, we'll pay 175 grand. You don't a week. need the money. We're, we're told every week how Man United is the richest football club in the world. So that, that can't be a consideration. I feel like if but you Wood, were going to. Woodward's a businessman, so it would be. Ah, uh, but okay. So if you're going to challenge, sorry, it bugs me this. You're going to challenge. You're going to think we're going to get top four. We're going to look at all four cup competitions. They Four cup, no, yeah, yeah, four cup competitions, and you're gonna you're gonna be you know he's got to get his head straight. You're gonna be in the Europa League home game against Genk, yeah, and you got him on the bench, or he can start. That is an advantage to your side. If you're gonna be playing against Palace and you're you're resting players, and it's the business end of the Premier League, and you're fifth, and you need to get some points, you're gonna have him in your squad because he is that caliber of player to loan him out, and then have the replacement being kids like Greenwood. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong, Greenwood's. Fine, he's yeah. a seventeen-year-old boy, and he's he's, yeah. he's better than most seventeen-year-old boys. Yeah. But what are you what are you displaying about where your club is at when you when you're letting him go on loan? But I think well, no, I think it's Solskjaer trying to step a bit of authority on the team and go. I'm getting rid of all these overpaid players that came into the club at weird points. Because if you think the Lukaku's are gone, there's Alex Sanchez's gone, there's no Zlatan's there. Like Pogba's probably the last of that. Herrera's and gone. Herrera's gone, but the Pogba's probably the last one of those that is still around. And he came through the ranks at Man United. I think Solskjaer's just going, you know what? I'd rather get all of these people out. And if you don't love the club and you're not there, Lexi Sanchez could have gone to Man City. He chose to go to Man United because we offered more money. Man United going, we we got one over on Man City, but it didn't actually achieve anything. It was just a. And Solskjaer said, that's not what this club's about. That's not what we do. And I don't want him here just because he came here for the money. So go. I, I, res- I respect that attitude. But in practical terms, where Manchester United are, for this season, I don't mean in the future, yeah. I don't mean what you're building towards, in practical terms, sending him out on loan makes zero sense. It's a little dangerous because Martial's injured now. So you've got Rashford and Greenwood as your but, but the way what is pla- that? The this way is- he played last year, though... Is he actually going to add anything to Man United if he stays? But you know, he's, well, that's the thing. This is, we don't know now. We're never going to know. He's yeah. never going to come on in the FA Cup and, and score a winner. And he'll probably um, Victor Nijby had a better scoring record than him. He'll like, probably go to Inter and do well there. Yeah, like, scored twice as many goals in the Premier League as for yeah. Norwich as, as Sanchez has for United. Yeah. Like Lukaku looked quite good for Inter at the weekend in his first game. Yeah. He's definitely dropped a few kegs, and I wonder if Sanchez might go and um, suddenly be good. Do but, but then he's in, if he's in the right environment and he's at the right club, then fine. But May Night is not the right environment and the right club. I don't know. Do, do you know? And I the other thing. I find slightly funny about the Sanchez thing. I thought that he might have got a bit of form back at the Copper America because mm. you know he's always loved playing for Chile. And, and he was what, good at the Copper America. One of, one of the things you know it says he played too many games because he's you know he plays so many for Chile. He's been playing such a young age. Um, but yeah, and he, as I said, Jeff, he was good at the Copper America, and he seemed like he had that fire and that hunger back. And so mm. I, a bit of me actually thought, well, maybe he'll come back and really want to get his place back in the team and a fit. Alexis Sanchez playing, even if he got back to like 80% of his peak, is a first-team player for United and is a very good Premier League player. Yeah. But for, it obviously hasn't happened. I just, it's just, I think it's just a bad fit. Like, since he came in, it's, it's been rumblings of it not fitting in the changing room. Like, Ian Wright came out, this is the end of last season, 
when and he knows the Arsenal side of things very well, and he said they just needed to get him out of that changing room. And so, I'd like, I don't know what the guy's like, mm. or like whether he brings his dogs into work because he loves his dogs. So maybe the changing room needs three extra seats for his massive. Maybe dogs. Steve Bruce is punching him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but if if you the football world's quite small, and if you hear rumblings of people going we don't want this guy around or he's a bad mm. egg or whatever, then just get him out of the club. Like, I don't like, yeah. you know, you know, you said, you said Lukaku had a good game, for, scored a good goal, looks at, well, you can, that there, I, we had mixed emotions. I, I watched quite a lot of that game. So some worldies were scored in that game of football. If you, if you haven't seen Inter beat whoever the hell they beat, 4-0, 4-1, 5-0. Yeah, uh, Lecce or something. Some amazing long range goals. But you see that Lukaku's playing up front basically on his own. And you see, even when these screamers are going in from 35 yards and it goes top corner, look at Lukaku's body language. Like, he's instantly annoyed that they didn't pass to him and then he's celebrating the goal. It happens yeah. twice. And then when he actually scores, it's a parry off the goalkeeper and he comes in and, and kind of slices it into the, bo- into the bottom. And, and, you know, it's, Lukaku's made a living off of that. But you can see he's pissed off that he doesn't get a chance. Like, it's yeah. so funny. No, even though his team's winning. Well. And I've, I've got a slightly feeling that Inter may win Serie A. Um, but let's go through, because we've got a fair amount of side stories I hear this evening. So let's go a few more Premier League bits and bobs. Firstly, a couple of Harry's scored some screamers. Yes. Harry, no, it's Harvey Barnes, isn't it? Harvey Barnes, uh, yeah. Well, close to Harry. Yeah. But Harvey Barnes' goal for Leicester is the best half volley of all time. It's still going up. It's still going <laughs> <laughs> You love him. My only... I, I'm so negative, I know, but I, I wish it was a bit further out because it's sort of like because it's well because it's in the box. Are you still it was like on the, the edge the, of the box? The technique was the technique was amazing, and they're always my favourite goals when it hits the back of the net and it's it's still, still going. going. You're yeah. like yes, just you know he's really hit. But I just would have liked it to be another ten yards. But oh. the fact that when he hits it. And there's this kind of moment of pause. Everyone goes, what just happened? Oh, it's in the yeah. back of the net. And even the keeper's just gone, what? Happened? And it's almost oh. like even the camera had to catch up with yeah, it. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like... And yeah. he loved it too. He absolutely yeah. loved it. I think it's brilliant. Great finish. And that's not the first he's done this year already, is it? No. And he's, he's looked pretty good. He came off the bench for that game. Is he going to play um, for England? Yes. He looked good yet. last year. How old is he now? He's a while He's only 19. Yeah. He's only 19? Yeah, yeah, he's kid. Oh, he's the future. Yeah. he was Because he was on loan in the championship at the start of for the first half of last season. Yeah. So well, Leicester brought him back. Yeah, he was at West Brom. Yeah. Wow. Okay, he's one to watch. Um, so Leicester won away at Sheffield United and are sat in fourth, which is where I predicted they'll finish. And they this. look good. They look good. They look solid. They're undefeated. And you're right, Roger. Everything we spoke about last week was complete nonsense. We were starting to talk about the end of Jamie Vardy and then lo and behold, <laughs> Jamie Vardy's <laughs> popped, popped up, popped up <laughs> scores, a really, like, scores a goal where he kicked it really hard. Yeah. And it was like, it was classic Jamie Vardy yeah, goal as well. Yeah, cupped his ears at the <laughs> Sheffield United ground. You're like, okay, well, there's Jamie Vardy. Yeah, Everything carries on. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other Harry that's just the only Harry of this two uh, that scored a goal was Harry Wilson, um, who scored a free kick for Bournemouth against Man City. Very good. What a, like, I don't really care about talking about Man City because, yeah, they're brilliant and they do their thing. But what a free kick. Mm. I saw him do a few of these last year when he's um, playing in the Championship. And the thing, I it wasn't just this, though. I think since he's, he's in his three games this year, he's, he's shown a bit for, for Bournemouth. And mm. I like he's another one that I think could be a player but yeah this was just sumptuous he's, like, he, I think he scored the most goals from outside of the box in the last year 
yeah, he has uh, any other player. Yeah, yeah. And he's a little bit like he's 21, 22, so he's a little bit older than a young player. Um, but I think he's developed. He's going. He's never going to have pace. Like he's not a pace player. He's a. He's a bit of a Teddy Sheringham. He's just going to get better with age. He's going to get cleverer and cleverer. Um, and Liverpool got a player on their hands. There's so many good young players. The future is just such an amazing place. I hope I don't die. <laughs> like I hope I get to. I get to watch these players grow up. Well, we're going to win the next World Cup. There's then, a. Uh, there's another Barnes that you missed that I feel is a little bit harder than your goal. I thought Ashley Barnes' goal was also good. He his goal was very good, but I am tired of people saying he's good. He is awful. He's <laughs> accidentally good at football. He is not. But he's been accidentally good for quite a while now. <laughs> like Harry Kane. Yeah, yeah. Harry Kane won season one. There. <laughs> Ashley Barnes is not good. at No, football. I agree. Ashley Barnes is crap, and he's a, he's also. <laughs> He's a bit like Phil Jones. He's got that um, slight, like baby esque physique where there's like no muscle definition. So yeah. it's sort of just this weird little barrel. Weird, weird, yeah, a slightly weird look to him. But he's been doing very well, John. The last sort of second he, half of last year. He plays in a year. team that doesn't play football, that hoofs it forward, that just hopes for knockdowns. Then he's the guy that runs around. Oh, he's, I won't have Sean Dyche bashing on this pod, John. He's fit, so he and he's strong, so he bashes into people, wins the ball, and then just wellies it. When like, Burnley won three 0 on the first day of the season, all three of those goals were brilliant. No, brilliant. I, no. I think uh, to Burnley's defence, uh, one guy they kept hold of that I thought they were going to lose was McNair. Do, no, McNeil. Do McNeil, McNeil. Sorry, Dwight yeah. McNeil. Yeah. Um, I'm getting confused. Paddy with McNair ex, played Man United player. Yeah, he had, he had a good season last year, and there was you know definitely a few mm. clubs sniffing around, and I thought he might go to someone like a Man United. Yeah. Um, but Love the, the idea of them sniffing around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this guy's good. <laughs> oh no, he's a stinker. Oh, he's, smells like he's pooed himself. Burnley have kept hold of him, and he gives them something a little bit different. Than there, yeah. hoof it up to Chris Wood and um, Ashley Barnes. Yeah, he's got. And, and, and it gives them a bit of creativity and a yeah. bit of flair, so that's good. Um, right, it's VAR chat. Chat. You got five minutes max. Go. Uh, so <laughs> oh, you straight in. <laughs> now, I I would like to say first of all that I completely agree with your commentary on this last week in the in the Man City game. It was nothing to do with VAR. So this is the Laporte handball um, and the Jesus goal being disallowed. It was the rules. Completely agree. It's got nothing to do with VAR. VAR got it exactly right. It's as we talked about the week before, we need to look at the rules. So that's my first thing. My second thing is there were a number of incidents on the weekend where penalties weren't given. So we talked about one. Martial was absolutely mauled in the Palace game. Like, the just... Basically, he got rugby tackled, and I was like, "That is a stonewall penalty." Um, Jefferson Lerma on David Silva in the Bournemouth game. Yep. Now the ref couldn't see it, so the ref can't give it, and I think the linesman missed it as well. Now, to me, that is a clear incidence of if we're having VAR, that is where VAR should step in because to me, that was a definite pen. The um, on-field refs haven't seen it. It's a clear and obvious error. The AR should then say that's a penalty. But I don't know if they are clear and obvious errors because you could also say that's not a penalty. There's, there's because. Well, you think there was doubt in that? 
Well, I think you can like, say I just think when you're yeah. giving... There's, there's no clear and obvious in, in non-binary decisions. The yeah. thing... The only clear and obvious is, was it a handball that wasn't seen, for example? Did it go over the line and that wasn't seen? No, no, but this, if the, ref's, the ref has missed a foul in the box, that is a clear, that is a clear and obvious error. And my issue is, if we are... Raheem is, uh, Sterling got given offside, which we've subsequently established is wrong because VAR doesn't have the level of accuracy. It gave him offside by 2.6 centimetres when there's a 13 centimetre margin for error. So that's incorrect. And then we get the Laporte one given, uh, you know, goal disallowed because the ball brushed his arm. So technically it's a correct interpretation interpretation Mm. of the handball rule, even though it didn't deviate the ball at all, had had no effect. But then we're not saying anything about these incidences where there should be fouls or should be penalties. Because so if you go back pre VAR days, um, if a referee at the end of the game writes their report, and if they see something, then post the game that can't be changed. So if I see that Jeff fouled you, and I go, actually no, I don't think it was a yellow card. They can't be retrospectively that was a yellow card offence. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, and it's the same with these penalty decisions. If the referee sees it and goes, I saw that and I don't think it's a penalty, then the VAR is going to watch it and go, oh, yeah, okay. We'll they'll, they'll, go, they'll ask the ref, what did you see? And he said, yeah. I see that there was a coming together, X put foot on Y, fell over, don't think it was a penalty. And the VAR will look at their screen and go, you're right, X put foot on Y, fell over which means that you've made your judgment call as the referee. Yeah, and so that's why it's not changed. And it's not a clear and obvious error. It's a personal judgment by that referee. He doesn't think it's but a But the referee didn't see the Lerma on silver one. He was unsighted. So he there was no way that he could have seen that foul. But it was it was 100% There must foul. have been a conversation, though. So he yeah. would... Because that's what... Ha- if they don't see it, then they, they go, about it. go and have a look at it. If they say, yeah, I saw it, I think it's okay... Well, no, but this, so this is again where I the referees are being reluctant to go and look at things because there's all this hoo ha about the game being disrupted and things taking a long time, and I and so I just I think a lot of this will come out in the wash, mm. and that we are essentially learning on the job with VAR, and I think they will look at the rules and things will change. But I just to me, there's not consistency there. I just the re if we. To strip out all the bullshit, the reason why we're introducing VAR is to try and ensure that the correct decisions are made more of the time. Yeah. And so I just the inconsistencies there for me, where some things we've got to like centimeter accuracy but we're getting wrong, and yet other things that are clearly penalties we're choosing not to adjudicate, to me that's just that's not consistent, and yeah. I just don't. If we, if it's going to be like that, I would just say don't have it. But here's the thing: like the the, the we've sat here for weeks and weeks, and this is the last minute of the thirty seconds left. Controversial. <laughs> uh, this is the last minute of our controversial conversation. But I, I feel like we've sat here for the last three weeks, and we've gone. We're taking the love out of football. We're taking the, the we're taking the you know the 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 was it or wasn't it out of football, and that and that's the joy, and that's what people enjoy talking about, and and we're we're sterilising it, and actually we this is an example this week where we absolutely haven't, and now we're complaining that it's not perfect, and I'm not saying you're complaining that it's not mm. perfect, but the common consensus is oh well you know that wasn't right and this wasn't right and this should have gone to bar. Actually, 
it's we still have all the things that we were yelling at VAR for missing, but now we know when someone's offside or not. Minus 13 centimetres. But I don't think that's the point. Because the point of it is that we're supposed to be... The whole idea of VAR was to remove clear and obvious errors from the game. You've got to stop saying clear and obvious, because yeah. that, that was a term that was coined when VAR first came no, into fruition about four years that's, ago. But that's what I'm saying. Like, But that, that was... I'm saying the concept of VAR. Yeah, so I'm yeah, not talking but, about the rules now. But now, clear and obvious is is a relic of what was considered important at the time. Now there are there are rules and stipulations that do not ever say the terms clear and obvious, and you hear clear and obvious everywhere. No, but I'm it's sa- not real anymore. But what I'm saying is, forget about the the intricacies of the rules. The reason VAR came in, the reason we came up with this concept, was to use technology to ensure the correct decisions were getting made. Yeah. And that if a clear and obvious error was made, <laughs> that that could be overruled. Yes, like that's I I, I you know I if, ding ding ding. Yep. To be we're talking over. semantics. It's over next week. We will talk more VAR in controversial corner. I actually um, think we'll get less. Like yeah, well, I think I we'll think use so. up a lot of it, and then I'm hoping that they'll get it right. But I just to me at the moment, <laughs> no, 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 you got dinged, you got dinged. Too many inconsistencies. Turn his mic off. Um, Rog, championship <laughs> update. <laughs> championship update. Uh, championship update. Bristol City are going really well. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why you added it to the running um, order? On, Is that, on that um, just for my satisfaction, the most Jeff and Roger transfer of all time happened this week. Did you see this? Go on. Ashley Williams. Ashley Williams went on loan from Everton, Jeff's team, to Bristol No, he's not on loan. We've signed him. Have you signed him? Yeah, we've signed him. He's a free um, agent. So we've signed him on a uh, deal at the moment until January, but maybe longer. You are aware, (laughs) Roger, that that bloke is so terrible. We've got a lot of injuries. (laughs) So terrible. Our um, our main centre-back just got injured, unfortunately, Thomas Callas, who's had a really good start to the year, who signed him from Chelsea. So he's replaced your main centre-back? Yeah. Oh, dear, oh, dear. So it's not... The reason I've been enthusiastic about City, we've actually been quite unlucky in a few... So Callas just got injured, who we signed from Chelsea. Jay De Silva, who we also signed from Chelsea, got injured. The guy we signed from Serie A um, got injured. But uh, in their absence, um, we've been doing right. We got uh, togged by Leeds on the opening day. And then since then, uh, we've drawn one and won three in a row. Uh, and City are up to fourth. And this this young guy that I was excited about, Hannah No Masengo, who's yep. the guy from Monaco, mm-hmm. the really? youngest yeah, yeah. player in Champions League history, uh, looks like a real player. Like he's come in at 18 and has now started the last three in the you know hustle bustle of the championship at 18. And just been and, and looked okay. And Benikafobe has been scoring goals. He's smashing the goals. So I mean, he he did. He did right at Bournemouth. He's essentially crap, but he did all right at Bournemouth, and he got the goals that got Wolves promoted. So you can't, you know, he's got championship pedigree. But I, uh, the main things championship other than Bristol City are that Leeds have started really well. Such a Cameron Jerome, isn't he, Benikafobe? He's classic Cameron Cameron Jerome. He's in that. Weird in between <laughs> vortex in the worlds. twilight zone. Yeah. Um, so the p- player that we wanted to get, but then did the dirty on us at the last minute and drove up to Leeds was Eddie Nikita from Arsenal. Oh, that's so right. he chose to on the we've been courting him all transfer window, and then he jumped out of bed with Bristol City and went up to Leeds. Courting and sniffing and jumping into bed. Like, what is it going on with these young kids? Young kids, but, um, Rog, they're only young. They're 17 and you're courting them and sniffing them. Anyway. <laughs> jumping into bed with them. 
Leeds, I think, look the goods. As so they tonked City on the opening day. They're top. I think they are going to be there or thereabouts this year. Uh, Swansea is second, which is a bit unexpected. But uh, Fulham have also started the season quite well. Perhaps the they're up in fifth. So I think Leeds and Fulham for me are the they're the favourites. They're aren't the favourites. And then I think the slight surprise is that um, Huddersfield have had a really bad start to the year. So they've only got a, a point from five games. Mm. They've already sacked their manager. They've already sacked their manager Sewert. Yep. Currently in the relegation zone um, with Stoke. So, Stoke and and, and also Wigan. So three sort of fairly recent. Premier League teams are currently sitting in the relegation zone. So, so, so who's that? Sorry, Stoke, Wigan, and Huddersfield. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's Brexit, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's funny. They're old. They're old mining towns, aren't we, they? They're, we, they're, all, they're old factory towns. Uh, Maggie Thatcher closed the factories, and then these 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 towns have got what have they got? I was going to bring that up. Brexit in a little bit with Bolton and Burnley. Well, I was going to say we should move on to something that's really sad. Actually, is that Barry have. Uh, dropped out of the league completely from League One. Been banished. Because they weren't able to be bought out, so basically they've been banished from the league. So League One will now have only 23 teams, um, and three teams will get relegated and four will come up, and then they'll work out what to do and add another team to League Two. But basically the club has just been shut down. That's the end of it. And so a club that's been in the league since 1870-something is just gone. And it's all from bad owners being allowed to run clubs and just buy them and then sell all the assets and ruin the club for the local community. It's gross. And yeah. Bolton could be next. So yeah. Bolton have just been given effectively 14 days blue to avoid the same situation as Barry. They've got two weeks from yesterday to find an owner and sell the club. Um, or else they're also going to be gone. And I, I mean, Berry is, is shocking, but I think Bolton's even worse because, I mean, in recent history, you know, we think... They've played of, in Europe. Uh, you know, Yuri Jokaev, mm, JJ Kocha, Fernando Hierro, Alvan Campo. But even last year, there were reports of setting up special food banks for Bolton Wanderers staff yeah. because they were still... They loved the club. They were still turning up and they were working in the canteen. But not getting but paid. But not getting paid and hadn't been paid for months and months and months. So so other football teams in England were yeah. donating money to the food banks for Bolton. Like, that is... That yeah. can't happen. And we no. talk about... We talked about it with Sunderland in the Sunderland documentary and in, in, in a lot of these places in these small towns, the club isn't just a football club. Like, it really is part of the fabric of the, of the town. Mm. So when these... When these clubs go, it, it, it's significant. Like it transcends sport. Like it, it, it's a it's a big deal. And I do think that Jeff, you're um, you you are being a bit flippant in terms of your Brexit comment. But I think that there is something in this. In that we're seeing this situation largely with these clubs in the north of England, in areas that under successive Tory governments have essentially just been neglected. Um, and, and, and you know the very um, deprived areas and, and so I don't and, and I think all these things are linked you know when you have this happening over a long period of time with people feeling neglected and they're being you know essentially abject poverty things like football clubs closing down and things like Brexit are going to happen but look I mean, Roger it's financial distribution so I think 80% of the founding members of the football league were in the north of England and they were clubs that were based around cities that had 
uh, they were part of the industrial revolution. Industrial, so so yeah. they had they had factories that were coming in, and they got import workers from all over Europe, all over the world. They weren't coming into the capital cities; they were coming into to the places where they had jobs. There were recessions around Europe. They were coming to these places, and, and that te- would textile mills first. Then you had steel, exactly and right. Coal and it would galvanise yeah. the the city because even if you didn't speak English, you could speak football. So, so you could become mates with someone by working with them down the mines or working with them in the factory and then going to the football on the weekend. Now, that was the case up until about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when actually finance started governing football and started governing football fandom, moving it to big epicentres. Like, how many clubs are there in London? Now, the London clubs aren't traditionally successful. The, the, only, club, the only London club that's won a European Cup is Chelsea. Mm. and how many clubs are there in London and you think they're all successful but they're not as successful as the, you know, the northern English clubs because they've got the history behind them but now football's becoming more about the money it's less about the camaraderie that you had in these, in these cities that built up these clubs and these clubs are slowly depleting slowly diminishing and people are poorer in these cities they're moving away from these cities because there are fewer jobs and the clubs are a, rep- are a public representation of that social of change that's happening. happening in the UK yeah no I agree and I also think there's you know the in amongst that as well you've got the dodgy owners and the mm. people that don't have an interest in the history thing and are treating the football clubs like commodities I mean you know the guy at um, Bolton uh, you know, has been banned from being the head of a corporation for a number of years, but yet was allowed to buy a football club. But that's and why then, Bolton lasted this long. But when football became about money, these blokes arrived. Yeah, yeah. and then I mean, the the Berry situation is exactly the same in yeah. that the owner um, invested in a load of property deals, and the stadium got tied up in the financing and the mm. loans. You know, for and all of that, the clubs and then it comes down, and the club's connected to it, and it's ruined. And I, I mean, I my concern is as well. Like, what do we do? You know, you've just talked about what's happening with Berry, and that's significant. We're essentially rearranging the league, mm. and they haven't actually quite worked out how what, to do what, that. what they're yeah, going to do. They've yeah. got a meeting next month. To um, suss it out. And then, what if it happens to Bolton as well? Mm. Then you've all of a sudden got another club, and then what if there's then other clubs? Like, what what do we? Inev- it's, it's inevitable. What do we do? Because it's not just those two. It is inevitable. What's going on right now? Yeah. yeah. Um, let's move on to side stories. Jeff, you got a side story for us? Have you heard of a Turkish player called El Kabir? No. He plays for Rizenspor? Rizenspor? You know, no, I mean, I'm going to trust your Turkish... Trust that that is a generic <laughs> Turkish outfit. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you about this bloke's day. Yeah, okay. So, he was forgotten at the training ground on the way to a home game. <laughs> Forgotten. 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 Found himself there languishing on his Todd, right? So decided to get a cab. Yeah. So got a cab to a game where he was in the starting 11. Yeah. Got outside the ground and the stewards wouldn't let him in because... (laughs) He wasn't in the team bus. I mean, who believes a bloke? He says, I'm... I'm I, El Shabbat. I should I should be up there. So he calls his manager. Finally, they they resolve this this dispute on the door. Yeah. He gets to the dressing room just his time. Gets changed. Goes out. After 13 minutes on the pitch, he breaks his leg. Oh, oh no! <laughs> and he's now out for a minimum of six months. Oh, that's awful. Can you think of a worse day? You just, yeah, you, sometimes you just got to give up. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> just go home. If only I'd just not got a cab or, oh, or yeah. 
the guy didn't let me in. Or, yeah. Oh, I mean, on on the flip side, the team won two one. So you know, there's there's some solace. Oh, that's good. But uh, oh yeah, that's gross. Um, I had a side story about uh, Maxo Chupo Moting, who was on the wall. And is he still on the wall? Mm, yes, yeah, he, he is. is. He's still on the wall. So scoring goals. Ex Stoke striker who are bottom of the championship. So maybe he needs to go back there. Is now the starting striker for PSG purely because Cavani's injured. And Neymar's having a hissy fit. So he scored two at the weekend in their 4 0 win, and now he's the main man. And one of the goals is actually quite good. I haven't actually seen the actual yeah, it was goals. Good. Like, I was like, wow, he, maybe he can play football. No, he's awful. Bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the, the goal he didn't score last year? Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, Come on. That was good. He's, again, it's like he's punching a cat. Like, he's going to have a few more Mars bars on the way before we forget that. That was possibly one of the best misses ever, actually. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go and watch that again now. Um, uh, do you have any side stories? I do. Uh, just quickly, Vinny Watch, to continue our theme from last week. Oh, so, yeah. not having a good time of it, old Vinny. Um, he's obviously uh, <coughs> decided to um, change things up a bit so he can concentrate on playing. Rather than uh, being coach rather of Anderlecht. Rather than being coach of Anderlecht. Um, but then he suffered injury in their 1-0 defeat by Genk at the weekend. Oh, um, Genk. And he's done his, done his hammy. And he now uh, might be a doubt to play his testimonial in three weeks' time uh, at Manchester City. And ironically, he'd have more time to manage the team. <laughs> Do you know, I, look, I went on a pretty unpopular Vincent Company rampage last year. And, and I, th- I think I was probably isolated on my own to saying I hate Vincent Company. <laughs> and I think all of this... What like, did you call him? There was a uh, captain something. Yeah, I, I do remember this. Oh, it's just, it's, 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 it, was a, it was a memorable rant. He's <laughs> just one. a cloud. And, um, and as I say, I wasn't very popular for, for doing that. I'm relishing this fall from grace. I'm so sorry <laughs> if you listen. Yeah. Your failure is my joy, Vinny. Yeah, it was just, coming. Yeah. It was coming. It seems so obvious to me that it's just... He's not a manager. When he, you're held up as a god, you better fucking wish you get crucified because because you're you're gonna you're gonna go the roller coaster goes down. Yeah, and Anderlecht are being run so badly. We talk about Berry and Brighton being uh, Bolton being run badly. It's a similar scenario at Anderlecht. So you're walk, walking into a badly run club where you're thought of as a god and a hero. As soon as you lose one game, it goes wrong. Yeah, you're out. It's yeah. a disaster. Um, anything else before we go? Yeah, to the I've got a couple of very quick Italian side stories. Oh, yeah. Serie A, uh, the Corriella della Sport. Yeah, the big pink paper. The big pink paper. That James Richardson used um, to read. I think it was that rather than the Gazzetta della Sport, yeah. which is the other big sports paper. Yeah. So, uh, one of them front page: Sheffield United. And they're overlapping centre backs. No, I just love that. The fact that yeah, isn't that great that that's that Sheffield United have got to the front page of an Italian sporting newspaper. It's because no one's ever seen it on Sheffield United. Did you see Chris Wilder's post-match interview this week? No. So after the game, uh, the interviewer said, like they lost to Leicester two-one. They said, "Oh, it was a good effort." He's like, "Well, that's their men are running around. Like, why do they get clapped off for effort? Like." They're expect they're footballers. They're paid to run around. Like, don't give them a clap for being effort. If anything, should be boo because they didn't pass it to their teammates. He's, he said, I, "He goes, I had dinner booked for the team at seven thirty tonight. Next week, I'll book it for quarter past four if they play like that." <laughs> so good. I love it. Like, it's so great. Um, and then my other quick one from Serie A is a bit of a. Um, well, it's sad, but it's also a heartwarming story, um, which is the Sinza Mihailovic. 
Yep. Now, do you, I don't know if you remember him from his playing days at, at, at Lazio. Yeah, used to take penalties, free kicks, scored some absolute worldies, yeah. free kicks. Um, also incredibly dirty. Oh, yeah. Like lots of, sent off twice Lots a year. of bad fouls. Um, but I just, and always a bit fat. And so he, and he was in that like Serie A golden age. And I used to love watching yeah. James Richardson on Football Italia and love mm. Mihailovic. Uh, anyway, he's been in management, but he was diagnosed with um, uh, leukemia a few months ago. So he's essentially been, um, you know, undergoing treatment and battling that. But at the weekend, uh, Bologna had their first game. Um, and he essentially... He's still the first team coach. He's still the first team coach. So he's been like from hospital, uh, because he's essentially confined to hospital bed. He's still been liaising with, you know, all the management of the team and involved in day-to-day of the team. But then without letting anybody know, for the first game of the season, he checked himself out of hospital and then came and was actually sitting on the bench for their first game. And then it wins? Um, I think they got a draw. Yeah. Oh, it's a beautiful game, isn't it? Football. It's good. Like the the fact that I just love it. I just love football. I, I, like it's it's the world game, isn't it? And there, there are these kinds of stories that make you remember how much everyone loves it. It's so and good. how much it means to yeah. individuals, uh, whether in it, out of it, whether they're part of a crowd or, or part of part of the staff. Like talking about Bolton and the food banks, yeah. and then and then just keep working. Talking about how it connects people who work in the factories or the, or the fans or the co- they got he's got leukemia and he still rocks up yeah. like what other game on a global level really does unite like that nothing let's finish with our knee jerk of the week um jeff do you have a knee jerk of the week ready within the next well, well, actually sorry sorry to interrupt before you go on we should mention the fact that your knee jerk of the week last week echo true which was Aston Villa to beat Evan came true. So it wasn't that outrageous, I don't think. After the whole of last year being awful at gambling, you're good at knee jerks. So I'm intrigued to hear what you're gonna Within say. the next two days before the international transfer window shuts, yep. Timo Puki yep. will be signed by Real Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they'll do a loan swap with the guy that they signed for 50 million that they're not playing that they're talking about going out on loan Jovic yeah maybe they'll do a swap well, they're not even playing Jovic no. no they're playing Benzema it's, well they bought him and then went oh yeah we've got Benzema we it's weird him. yeah oh. um, Raj do you have a knee jerk uh, I don't you go and I'll think of one okay well so my knee jerk um, is actually a kind of a bit of a one to watch um, but there is a new player that I think by the end of this season will sign for a club for a hundred million or more, <laughs> and his name is Eduardo Camavija, and he's sixteen years old. He plays centre midfield for Wren, um, who beat PSG in the first game of the season. He's a Perlo, Argentinian, uh, no French, oh, French. Um, he's a Perlo type player, but also with a Vieira engine, and he plays centre midfield. He's sixteen. Wow. And he just bossed the game. Like, if you can watch the highlights of PSG Wren. What's his name again, sorry, John? Eduardo Camavinga. So it's C-A-M-A-V-I-N-G-A. Did he play for Wren last year when they beat Arsenal? He's played a couple of games last year, but he's so young. He's just, like, this year's the first time they've started playing him regularly. And he was amazing. One to watch. Have you got a, um, like, Nations League one to watch voice? One to watch. (laughs) There we go. Uh... I think 
it's not really knee jerk, but <laughs> John, you are right. The one thing that you guys were right about last week, that's my knee jerk, is Watford. Watford yep. are doomed. Yes, Watford are doomed. They can piss off. Um, does everyone have anything before we is go? It, no, sorry, is that it? What's Watford are doomed? Watford are doomed. That's not a knee jerk, that's just normal. Watford are fucked. Sorry, language, but I mean, they are woeful. Well, I hadn't thought about a knee jerk, so I had to think of something off the cuff. So you just choose the person who's bought with the Premier League yeah. and go ahead do. Well, it's, got, it's in front of me, so there we go. Knee jerk. Well, no, the knee jerk was that uh, you guys actually got something right. Oh, yeah, okay, fair. That's fair. Um, has anyone got anything before we go? Uh, no, no, good to be back. No, great to have you back, Rog. Yeah, good to have you back, Rog. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, we will be back next week. Um, don't forget if you want to get in contact ask us questions tell us we were wrong about anything tell Roger's knee jerk reaction was stupid um, just find us on Facebook or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com thanks for listening everyone bye bye see ya hey. <laughs>